It's almost like your attention can be somewhat aromatic and start to open open the senses if you turn your attention toward yourself. Uh, and then you can, when you see yourself really clearly, there's a lot of compassion there because you can understand, oh, I get it why I did that. I'm really sorry I did that to myself and other people. I get it though. And I can ask for forgiveness. I'm Michael Max, and this is Geological. Choose your issue of the day, the injustice that you want to rectify, the social, family, or economic problem that would not exist if only those ignorant, uncaring, and short-sighted people believe something different. Vax or no vax, merit or status, collective versus individual, or political affiliation of any stripe. The polarity doesn't matter because we live within the interplay of yin-yang. We are so easily invited into the game of us, the smart ones, and those idiots over there. If only they would see what we see. If only they use the same structure of reasoning that we did. If only their delusion would evaporate, we'd have a more harmonious world. But harmony doesn't mean the gray middle of lukewarm agreement. Harmony is a more dynamic interplay of connection across a wider spectrum of experience. It's more like a brightly colored and textured weaving than a government-issue wool blanket. Have you found yourself with the persistent thought that if only we could change their minds— then the problems that arise from interpreting the world through different experience and frames of reference would naturally disappear. But here's the thing. No one likes to have their mind changed for them. That is an inside job. And curiously enough, pressure applied from the outside doesn't weaken worldviews, but rather cements them even more tightly. It's hard enough to allow ourselves to change from the inside. Applying force from the outside? Well, good luck with that. In Chinese, the character for heart is the same as the character for mind. What we think and how we feel are the warp and woof that knits together our values and worldview. And good luck with disentangling from that because... We need a sense of consistency and heuristics that allows for navigating through life with a sense of reliable stability, and at the same time, have the capacity to engage the transformative potentials of the uncertain and unknown. Perhaps this is why it is so hard to change minds, because first, there has to be an opening to a change of heart, and often enough, Hearts break in the process of opening. Heartbreak is unavoidable. So too, the concepts of mind that steer us through our mental maps into this present moment. Those two can only strain so far within the bounds of confirmation bias before shattering in the presence of a reality no longer deniable. Feeling broken does not mean we are broken. As the Zen poem goes, 
my barn having burned down, I can now see the moon. Transformation is not for the faint of heart, which is why it so often breaks the heart. The question is, do you take this as a sign that life is inherently unsafe and untrustworthy, or is a moment of unencumbered liberation? These conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Worried that an EMR is too complex for you? Jane has friendly and knowledgeable support. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Are you concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, Ancestral Sturman offers up a sinew treatment, and the folks at Blue Poppy have something special to share as well. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. I don't know about you, but sometimes I take a step back and marvel at my acupuncture needles. I mean, they're the world's simplest medical tool, a sharpened wire and a handle. That's it. And with this simple tool, hundreds of health conditions can be resolved. I love it. What I didn't love was the amount of packaging waste I generated at the end of the day. But that has now changed too. Ever since I switched to AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles, I reduced my packaging waste by 90%. Not only are they a great needle, but the folks at AccuFast plant a tree for every two boxes of needles I use in the clinic. By switching to AccuFast Needles, you'll be helping patients, planting trees, and joining a community of practitioners changing the world. Like our simple needle, being a part of the solution, it's simple too. Visit AccuFastNeedles.com slash geological to learn how. Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit Mayway.com to find the perfect Pumsar brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies. As we welcome the month of May, our focus is on women's health. Our newsletter articles and podcast episodes this month will highlight different aspects and unique challenges women face. So subscribe or tune in. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our women's health formulas this month. Just visit Mayway.com. This season and every season, trust Mayway Herbs for your health and wellness needs. And thank you for supporting Real Chinese Medicine. I love how technology can help to automate my office. And I want to share with you my favorite tool for doing so, Jane. Jane is a clinic management software in EMR with a human touch. Whether you're switching your software or going paperless for the first time, the Jane team knows that the onboarding process can feel a little overwhelming. That's why with Jane, you don't just get software, you get a whole team. Included in every Jane subscription is their award-winning customer support available by phone, email, and chat whenever you need it. 
even Saturdays. You can also book a free account setup consultation to review your account and ensure you feel confident about going live. If you're interested in making the switch to Jane, head to jane.app/switch to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their support team. And be sure to mention the code Geological at the time of sign up for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. In a moment, we're going to be exploring heartbreak, forgiveness, and the ephemeral nature of being like water with Margot Rossi. Margot has been on the podcast a few times now. She's a person in my life I've had a long and winding connection with as she's the first person to slide an acupuncture needle into me. And when I was struggling with whether or not to go to acupuncture school, she said, go for three months. You'll either fall in love with the medicine or not. If you do, you've got a new and interesting life. And if you don't, then you've learned a little more about something that you're interested in and you can quit. Either way, you win. That was Reliable Counsel. And if you've listened to our other conversations, you'll catch a theme of trust in the present moment, especially those present moments that are full of brokenness and uncertainty, which so often is the leading edge of some kind of transformative change. She has a new book recently published, To Be Like Water, and it's that spirit that infuses this conversation. We'll get into that in a moment. Every time I talk with Margot, I come away more sure that the medicine we practice can bring deep benefit to our patients, family, and community. And beyond that, the medicine invites us into a more coherent and honest relationship with ourselves. None of this is for the faint of heart. And indeed, the practice will ask everything of your heart. I am always delighted to share a conversation with Margot. Let's get into this. Did you ever see the movie Gladiator? Yeah, that was a while ago, though. Long time ago. Great movie. So at the beginning of every major battle, you know what uh, Russell Crowe does? I can't remember. I'll tell you. Because he, he's actually, while well, he's like the greatest general of the Roman legions of the time and a great friend of the emperor and a badass warrior, at his heart, he's a farmer. And so wherever he is, when he's about to go into battle, he will reach down and grab the earth that's under his feet at this moment. And he rubs it in his hands and he holds it up to his face and breathes it deeply in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then to whoever like his cohort is that, that they're about to engage in battle, like, like his right hand man, they look at each other and say, strength and honor. Mm-hmm. Mm. And then they unleash hell. <laughs> mm. Mm. Strength and honor. Strength and honor. You know, when, when I think about, I'm just going to pull it to the work that we do in our clinic. Mm-hmm. Right? Because I'm not big on social issues and I'm not big on trying to change the world because the world's a big place. The only, the only place where I feel like I've got a place where I can... Um, have 
some kind of capacity to maybe help the world be a better place by helping someone else. It's it's there. And and when I think of, you know, strength and honor, it's it's the strength to be in the moment and the ability to honor whoever that person is who I'm sitting with. They may including be very yourself. different. Include well, <laughs> thank you for that reminder. Thank you for that reminder. So mm-hmm. with all that said, Margot Rossi, welcome to Geological. Thank you, Michael. It's delightful to be here. Always been looking forward to it. Me too. We've had you on the podcast a number of times, and you were also on Everyday Acupuncture before Geological was even a even a thing. I remember inviting you to that Everyday Acupuncture conversation, and you said, <laughs> "I want to interview you." <laughs> I actually want to interview you again. I think it's time because that was a long time ago, wasn't it? It was a long time ago. All right. Well, we're going to have a conversation here about all kinds of things, including um, a book that you've got. Because <laughs> uh, um, book projects are so massive. We're going to talk about that. But yeah, feel free at any point within this conversation uh, to grab the steering wheel. We Ooh. can, We can, yeah. Just like in mm-hmm. clinic, plenty of give and take. That's right. We can do that. Yeah. Uh, but I would like to start. You've got a book. It might even be out by now, by the time this publishes. I think it comes out in October. Is that correct? It comes out at the end of September. It's already been slipping through the cracks, though. Some of my friends, students, patients already have it. I don't have a copy yet. God, you sound like a drug dealer, right? Here, I've got a little <laughs> sample here. Try this. What do you think about this? <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, books are huge projects, you know, and uh, the cool thing about a book is that it's a way to take the experience, I mean, sometimes of decades, and distill it out into something that our life has given us, or um, maybe a better way to say it is, is we've taken and we allow our experience to refine us. So mm. I'm curious to know, what would you say is this, like, like the seed crystal? that was the beginning of the process that resulted in you taking on a book project like this. Hmm. Okay, so I'm gonna take you on a little journey. Just think of it as a horseback ride, just stay in the saddle with me. (laughs) We'll come to that answer. Okay, so this is a saddled horse. I don't have to like grab on for dear life, just bareback, we're we're saddled. No, 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 we're saddled. All right, let's go. And I know how to ride, so just hold on. So maybe about four years ago, I was in a class with my teacher, Jeffrey Yuan, and he, it was a Tao Yin movement class, therapeutic movement class, which was about, I think it was like, you know, from like eight to eight to four. It was a long day of movement with Jeffrey, which can be like what Paul Karsten told me about acupuncture school. He said, are you ready to have us grab you by the ankles, turn you upside down and shake you until there's nothing left that you can hold on to? (laughs) (laughs) I've had that experience. (laughs) Yeah. And he was right. It was like that. It was like that. Um, But movement classes that are that long usually have that kind of effect on me. And at some point during the class, 
Jeffrey said something to the effect of in showing up for life and tuning into yourself and observing how your actions affect you, being mindful of that, that's the essence of being like water. And then he started the next sentence of to be like water is, you know, um, something we can all aspire to because water takes the shape of whatever container it's poured into. It goes into spaces where nothing else wants to go or can go. It can meet something really hard and over time it can soften it. It doesn't contend with that thing. It just m keeps moving over and through and around. And, and he just used that metaphor several times to be like water in class. And I remember lying down, we were doing a practice and I just thought, that's the title of my book. <laughs> what book? <laughs> that's the title of my book. Huh? That's the title of my book. <laughs> and I think because in studying with him for, at that point, it had been almost uh, two decades of studying with Jeffrey. Pretty much in the beginning, every time I came to a class, I was a mess by lunchtime. I was crying and I thought everything he was saying, he was saying directly to me and I didn't really know him. I was just somebody in the audience, but there was so much compassion in, in his invitation to just look at yourself, just look at yourself, look at how you lead your life and what you think and what you believe. The invitation just kept coming back to look at yourself. And of course, when I looked at myself, there was a lot I didn't like mm -hmm. what I saw. And some of that had to do with my past, but a lot of it, I mean, I was still, I was, how old was I when I started studying with him? I was in my thirties and I was still fucking up. I was still doing not good things to myself and to other people who I loved. It was, of course, it's all my loved ones. My patients thought I walked on water and hung the moon, but if you really knew me, you, you, you saw the dirty, nasty bits there. So just this invitation to love all of it, to, to see all of it, to open my eyes to all of it, and just be real about who I am. Yeah, that day that he said to be like water, I thought, I can do that. I can aspire to be like water. I got a long way to go, but I have a story to tell about that. And I hope that as people read the story, they see something of themselves in it and they can forgive themselves, start to pay an honest look at themselves and then start to change, you know, to let that diamond in the rough really get buffed up and start to shine and sparkle. And um, it's like you, what you were writing in that beautiful piece on Shen that you just sent us that sparkle and shine when you're really letting your essence kind of come through mm -hmm. and you're living honestly. You know, there's something else that you just said, the piece about forgiving yourself. Yeah. Which I, I don't know about you. I can forgive all kinds of other people about all kinds of other things, but me forgiving me, oh man, which which takes me back to something that you just said, and I hadn't put these two together until this moment. You said, your actions affect you. Mm -hmm. 
this might be why it's so hard to forgive ourselves, at least me to forgive myself. And I saw you nod your head. I suspect people listening to this might know a thing or two about the difficulty in forgiving ourselves because our actions do affect who we are. I know for myself, I'm often the last person to see it. And sometimes that forgiveness allows me to begin to see it. And when I can begin to see it, oh, now I've got a handle. I can do something with this. Yeah. Yeah, it's the seeing it part that's that's difficult. I was talking to a friend yesterday about dampness. This is a colleague of ours. And how, you know, dampness can obstruct the orifices so that you can't see, hear, smell, taste, touch the truth of what's there because you've got these other you've got this film on top of your portals. And it's hard to forgive yourself when you've got the film on top of the portals because you can't really see things as they are. They're kind of muddled. But when you, if you keep turning toward, it's almost like your attention can be somewhat aromatic and start to open, open the senses if you turn your attention toward yourself. Uh, and then you can when you see yourself really clearly, there's a lot of compassion there because you can understand, oh, I get it why I did that. I'm really sorry I did that <laughs> to myself and other people. I get it, though. And I can ask for forgiveness for it. I find it incredibly challenging to walk myself back from ways I behaved, things I've thought, ideas I had, that as time goes on, I realize I wasn't quite spot on with that. In fact, I might have been completely wrong about that. Yeah. And when I have a bunch of my identity tied up with having been right about that, okay, now the forgiveness and the recognition that I was wrong, it's like a bunch of personality is suddenly free-floating. It, it, it's like, how do I make sense of who I am at this point? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, I think if you're doing it well, life is a big lesson in humility. If you're doing it well, <laughs> <laughs> life will keep showing you, huh, I thought that was true, but now I see that maybe it ain't necessarily so. Yeah. And that, you know, that opens up a lot of possibilities because then things don't have to be just the way you think they're going to be. They can be other ways, too. Well, I've found in my experience, life rarely is the way that I think it's going to be. Like anytime I make plans, it, and maybe it's like a long-term plan, too. It's, it's not, it's less of a plan. It's more like, oh, I'm going to go in this direction because I think I'm going to get X, Y, and Z. And so I go in that direction and wow, things turn out mm -hmm. incredibly different than I could have even begun to imagine. Mm -hmm. That initial impulse to go in that direction, that was right. The story I told myself about why I'm going in that direction, usually 100% wrong. Yeah. I think that's what I love about the movement practices, the, the Tao Yin that's, mm. that's in this book, is because some of the movements are really familiar. We've done them but bajillion times in life. And so we have this expectation of what might come out of it. But then it's not like that at all. It's like the 
your energy and your attention move in a way like water through the movement. And then you discover, oh man, I didn't know I was going to feel like that. Or I had no idea that was there. Or I wasn't aware that that feeling in my shoulder was there. I wonder if it's been there all along. I didn't know it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the surprises that can come. And again, like I said, it can open up possibilities. You think we think things can be a certain way, but kapow, you know, when when it branches off in a direction you didn't anticipate, there's like a whole other whole other path to explore. Now, when things expand that way. I'm just thinking about my own experience. Sometimes it's it's really enlivening and delightful. Like, oh, cool, look at all the stuff that's here. Look at all the possibility that's here. It's exciting. And there's other times it's so disorienting because I feel like my models of the world, everything that's gotten me to this moment is now called into question. Mm-hmm. Yay. <laughs> it's one thing to be sitting here, you know, having a nice cup of something hot to drink we're nice and warm in our houses yeah and, and we can go yeah yay partly because we've gotten through it and survived it and and it's actually been helpful to us but in those moments when it's happening it's usually not yay it's usually oh fuck mm-hmm. yeah i i can say for myself those moments are fewer and fewer in my life i used to have them a lot And I think that was part of the excitement of my life was having a lot of, oh, fuck moments. It can be invigorating. Yeah. 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 Very exciting. (laughs) Not really sustainable, but certainly exciting. Now, if they come up and they still do, just not in the way they used to, not in the reckless way they used to. Mm. Um, It's funny. I don't think of you as a reckless person, but maybe I didn't. I didn't know you at that time, way, way, way back. Yeah, there's, I'm a, I, I have a reckless, I have a reckless streak in me. Mm. I think it's, um, my father used to call it da bernieri. That was my mother's side. That's, he used to call it. <laughs> <laughs> He married a reckless woman? No, my mother was not reckless, oh. but in her family, um, her family was a little notorious for being um, gamblers, and they would gamble big things, like your house. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, they didn't just uh-huh. gamble some bits of cornmeal. They were no, they, they, they were hardcore. That was rec- That that would be reckless. Yeah. 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 Very reckless. So you were reckless. Got it from your yeah, mom's I family. Yeah, I have a reckless streak in me. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have a shoot first and ask questions later, which really doesn't work very well because when I shoot, I I pretty much aim to kill. (laughs) If you're going to shoot, you should aim to kill. Yeah, well, there is the the shoot to um, disarm someone. You've got to be a really good shot to disarm somebody. Yeah, yeah. Well, clearly, that wasn't my bailiwick in life. Yeah, yeah. There's a great lyric. I think it's from Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah, isn't it? How to shoot somebody who outdrew you? Ha. 
Yeah, no, when, when, when we're talking about recklessness, we're talking about situations that are wildly and excitingly emergent, dangerous. When you're facing danger, I, I think most of us do not screw around. It's like, yeah. disarm this? No, I think what I want to do is stop it. Yeah. Well, what I'm, what I'm learning more and more, and I, I, I really feel like this practicing these movements for all these decades has really done something quite transformational to my nervous system and my, mm. and my body is, is well. You know, it's a 56-year-old body, and it's, I'll knock on wood, feel really good. I have a lot of energy and I just feel really, feel really well and vibrant. But I think now when my mind gets me into that place of, oh shit, mm. or yeah, the mo this, this experience over the years of moving in this way has really taught me to notice when I'm, when I've gotten myself in that pickle place with my thoughts or I'm about to do something or say something that I might regret. <laughs> yeah, I just hear, be like water. Okay. Okay, I can do that. I don't need to contend with this. And it doesn't mean I'm wimpy or that I try to avoid something. It's more like I'm, I'm using the terrain that I'm in to help shape me and guide me rather than push back on it which was so much my MO when I was younger. So much rebelliousness. What were you rebelling against? I think, uh, you know, that rebelliousness really came out in high school and college. I think it's just when the world didn't turn out the way I, I fantasized it was, mm. you know, that adults were kind, loving people or... Um, we're all in this together, or my friends have my back. When, it, when I started seeing the cracks in my, I would say in my heart's beliefs about the world, when I started seeing things not really working out the way I thought they were as a child who was, gosh, I was so full of love as a kid, just so full of love and happy and and then in, in high school, things just started to change. You know, people were were not nice to each other. And it, it was kind of heartbreaking. And then I started not being nice to my friends, too. If they said or did something I didn't like, there were things about me that I noticed. Like, oh, I don't like that I just said that nasty thing about my friend. And so, you know, that just led to starting taking drugs. And I mean, I was already taking drugs even in middle school as a, tw you know, when I was 12, I started doing smoking weed and smoking cigarettes and drinking alcohol. And I was already trying to medicate something because the, the cracks were already starting to show then, but they really came out in high school and college. So I think that was the source of my rebellion. Mm -hmm. I was angry because I kind of felt like I had been lied to. Hello everyone, Anne Cecil Sturman here. A working knowledge of the eight extraordinary channels from the unbroken oral tradition of acupuncture is valuable beyond words. The power of these channels is tremendous if the practitioner has well-integrated diagnostic, theoretical and practical skill. 
You'll be familiar with Dumai, the Governor Channel or the Sea of Yang, the primal reservoir of Yang, which ultimately finances all movement and growth. But this channel also governs the ability to self-determine. The psycho-emotional presentation of your patients can be matched to a classical activation of this channel, clearing impedance in the free flow of Yang Qi to body, mind and spirit. I'd like to share with you the marvelous potency of the Do channel in a full-length live treatment video from the seminar I taught last year in Melbourne, Australia. It's at ancecilsturman.com forward slash sinews2024. Click on the jump to free teaching button or see the link on my Instagram page at ancecilsturman. Thanks, Michael. Back to you. I hear you use the word heartbroken and I hadn't thought, I mean, I've got a kid right now who's in high school, mm. so it's kind of cool. I'm, I'm like revisiting it in a way. Yeah. She's having a very different experience than me because she's a very different kind of person. Um, but it, you know, it's kind of up. And so when I hear you say at that time, part of the rebellion came from being heartbroken. I have never thought about it that way. Mm. I would say I'm not different than you. The world, as it had been described to me as a child, was falling away. That's part of what happens in, in, in maturing is you realize it, it's not, it, this is not the world that I thought it was. I don't think envious yeah. grow and mature without like burning off, you know, the illusions of childhood. Um, and, and like you, I, I mean, where I was growing up smoking cigarettes and Stealing a little bit of bourbon from your parents, uh, <laughs> you know, and smoking some weed. I mean, that's that's kind of what kids did back then, where mm -hmm. I was. I mean, a lot of people. So yeah. it, it it was, and I'm not going to say it was an okay thing. It was just it was just all around. That was just part of the culture. That's just that's just the milieu that we grew up in. But when I think about that piece about being heartbroken, that there's this part, this emerging part that's coming out. And the world is breaking my heart. The environment's going to shit. There's, you know, there's, there's jobs that I'm supposed to do in the future and none of them look that interesting. There's a war going on in Vietnam and that's a mess. And I, you know, and I may have to go fight in that because I'm male and they were drafting people at that point. And I remember being furious and angry mm -hmm. at, at, what the world looked like and how it seemed so unfair you know and then and then i started hearing about things like redlining and you know civil rights movement was really ramping up i remember when martin luther i remember i remember the um the i have a dream speech i was just a i was just like a little kid but i remember hearing it and even as a little kid it changed me I mean, it changed me. And every time I ever hear excerpts from that, I never don't get teary. Right? So, so I was growing up in that milieu as well. I'm a little bit older than you. And yes, I would say a lot of my anger at the world, oddly enough, has come from being heartbroken. Mm -hmm. That really makes sense. Oh, man, I've, n I've never thought about it like that until this moment right now when we are having this conversation. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, and I think it's all like 
all of that stuff that I believed as a little kid, you know, even when I put myself in that little kid body, I'm so full of happiness and love and joy. And when my attention goes there, it's still there. It, I mean, that that's it. It's when I move my attention off of it, that's where the trouble starts. And I, I wish I had, well, I don't actually wish that I had known that then, but had I known that then when I was in high school and college that, oh, it's just a shifting of attention, Margo, that's all it is. Just move your attention back to that thing instead of looking at all of the things that are hurtful that are going on. And instead of participating in that, just bring your attention back to what you really want to focus on. I didn't have that skill back then. I took drugs all kinds, whatever you put in front of my face, I was willing to try. <laughs> and what did the what did that all do? It 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 made me feel vibrant and alive and relaxed and you know giggly and ready to go jump on a moving train or jump off a moving train or whatever was happening. I was just trying to find that feeling again, but really all I needed to do was move my attention. I just didn't know. I didn't know that. You know, we don't, we didn't learn mindfulness practice in high school. And I'm not sure that it would have prevented the experience of having to have your world kind of fall apart so that you can grow into an adult so that you can grow into a sense of resiliency, so you can become anti-fragile, so that you can look at the world and be brokenhearted, because the world will break your heart. And if you think you're gonna get through this life without heartbreak, good luck. I don't think it's possible. So, so in some ways, we need to go through it, mm -hmm. because then we can have this kind of a return. Do you watch Star Trek? Are you a Star Trek fan at all? Oh, yeah. Okay. Star Trek, second generation. You, you know, Picard has a mechanical heart. He doesn't have a real heart. Did you know that? No. Okay, so this is a great episode. You might want to go rewatch it wherever they're wherever they're streaming it. So Picard, there's this episode where he has to go in because he has to get like, you know, a tune up on his mechanical heart. I didn't know he had a mechanical heart. He's got a mechanical heart. Why does he have a mechanical heart? Well, when he was a younger man, he was a little bit like you and me. <laughs> He was angry at the world and fisticuffs, and he was a tough, he was a badass. And he got in a bar fight and stabbed in the heart. Okay, so back in, you know, I mean, in those days, not back in those days, up in those days. <laughs> oh, well, we could just put a new mechanical heart in, no problem. We got, we got you, Picard, right? So he's going in to get his heart you know, tuned up and, you know, cue that like multidimensional yeah. dude who's like, Hey, we can have, he like travels through time and all, and he's always fucking with Picard. Right. right. He's like, he's like, Oh, you think you know what you want? Watch this. So he says, Hey Picard, how would you like to actually have your regular heart back? You know, how would you like to have the life where, you know, you, you could still have your heart and Picard's like, yeah, I'm up for it. Poof. He's back on the spaceship. He's not the captain. He's like some low level, like low-level dude, except in his mind, he's still who he is. Mm. Hey, I can captain this ship. And everyone's like, yeah, Picard, you've been saying that for years. Yeah, you're like, you're, like an, you're like a cabin boy on this boat. Why? Because he having that experience of being stabbed in the heart mm -hmm. and fisticuffs and all the things that he did turned him into the compassionate, foresighted, 
patient, very heartfelt person as a commander of a starship that he could be in his 50s. But when he was in his 20s, acting like you were in your, you know, like the man he was in his 50s, mm-hmm. turns you into a wuss. <laughs> he didn't have the capacity to deal with the troubles and the heartbreak of the world and the difficulties of the world and the conflicts of the world. So he needed that being stabbed in the heart to become the man he was later. And, and my suspicion is the thing that we're talking about that, that, that you go through, I don't think it's avoidable. No, and I, I bless it because mm. I, yeah, I wouldn't trade it back. You wouldn't trade it back. And because of it, you now have this practice where you can come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't trade it back at all. And I think the difference, Michael, is uh, we all have these experiences through life. On the, I, don't, I mean, I assume we all do have really challenging heartbreaking experiences through life. I think the key is, though, it's not just in the experience. It's being able to reflect back on it and see what you've learned. How else could this have played out? You know, there was also a great Star Wars episode where there were different planes of reality, but the same thing was happening in each of the different planes, but the outcome was different based on every step that everybody took. Like the, yeah, I love that episode (laughs) because I feel that's really true. We have, if we can self-reflect and see what's here for us, we have new possibilities of choices. We don't have to make the same, the same choice over and over again that gets us in the same, the same place. And then boy, you really start to feel despair when your life just becomes this, uh, revisiting of the same theme over and over again this self-reflection is so key to that i think yes the experiences themselves are crucial to our development and this ability to reflect and forgive and have compassion and understanding and then have the courage you know you and i were talking about strength and honor to have the strength to make a different choice that honors yourself and honors the other people around you, other life life forms around you. That's a juicy life. Mm. So in writing, my, my book is part memoir. Like the first part of my book is memoir. And then I kind of fold in the movements into each of the memoir essays. And what I was hoping is that as people read it, they see something of themselves in the story, perhaps, and they can also forgive themselves for whatever they see in the story and, and recognize, oh, I can, I can reflect on this and really face the truth of it, as ugly or as hard as that might be, and then I can move on. Again, it's like water moving through a landscape. It can wash things clear for you. It's just so essential. I was just thinking about this. Water doesn't retreat. Yeah. <laughs> water doesn't back away. Water water goes, like you were saying, to, to the deepest level. It goes you know, where the gravity takes it. Um, you put up an obstruction, it will just marshal its forces, marshal itself, marshal itself, push through, go over, go further down, wherever. 
Yeah, and it can defy gravity too. It can apparently defy gravity. <laughs> of course, it cannot. There is no defying gravity if you're water. Um, but it could it could appear to, you know, if you're looking at just you know a short piece of it, not mm -hmm. seeing the other dynamics that are involved. The, uh, I mean, this water metaphor. You know, we practice Chinese medicine. I've heard the water metaphor used for 20 plus years now because it's something that we talk about a lot. But I think it's it's funny. I mean, I've said this a couple of times to you as we're having this conversation until this moment right now as we're having this conversation. I hadn't thought about it. I hadn't felt it viscerally as much as I am at this moment, that there is a, there is a gravity to our life. There's a gravity to our... Um, so gravity to the effect of our actions. Earlier, you, mm -hmm. you said the phrase about your actions have an effect on you. And, and I, I'm realizing as, as we're having this conversation that I hadn't really paid attention to the effects of my actions. I think more about my actions. Oh, good, bad. I like it. I don't like it. Done that. Shouldn't, shouldn't have done that. But now I'm thinking about, oh, what if I just changed my focus a little bit? Oh, this happened. Okay, what was the effect of that? That brings in a whole other possible storyline when I look at the effects, not just the actions. Mm -hmm. And that takes a lot of courage. And again, you have to kind of, um, you have to transform some of the dampness that holds you in your pattern that you can't really see what the effects are or we might expect the effects to be a certain way, but when we really look at them and sense into them, we discover something surprising. How did that really affect me? And again, it, it, I think part of the reason that we don't like to do that, that we, don't, we might not wanna see ourselves, is it, it can be really heartbreaking it can be heartbreaking to see the effect of one's actions, to really, really pay attention to it, the effect of our thoughts and our words and our actions. Um, I think that's part of the, um, the reality that we're living with, the shift in climate and, my God, everything that's going on socially, the pandemic, all of that, if we if we could only turn toward and kind of lift the veil off and just really see how our choices have gotten us here, not only would that be very devastating, it would also kind of feel insurmountable. Well, gosh, how do we back out of this now? Or what steps can I take moving forward? Even little ones that might seem so insignificant are important. Well, I'm just thinking about turning toward the heartbreak mm -hmm. rather than turning away from it. Yeah. And I know for myself, I have a very um, well-polished, well-oiled mechanism for turning away from the heartbreak. And that would be my anger and my, ha my anger and my hatred. Yep. Very effective at turning away from heartbreak. <laughs> Totally. And, and I'm thinking about this. What if instead of leaning on my anger, 
What if instead of leaning on, oh my God, those fucking idiots over there, if they would just see it, dot, 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 dot. Yeah. Right. If I could, if I could just, I'm not going to say get rid of it because trust me, I've, I've leaned on that long enough. It's never going away. But if I could not, like not lean on it, if I could just turn a little toward not love, you always hear that. Oh, just turn toward the light. Turn toward the light. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> if if I could turn toward the heartbreak. Yeah. Oh, Margot, thank you. Yeah. That that feels like a um well, I just never thought about turning toward the heartbreak. That just feels like a a possibility worth exploring. Mm-hmm. It also works turning toward the anger too which you would again oh my god but no but i do that so easily how do you turn toward the anger without being consumed and turning into an idiot or an asshole so the way i do it because michael maybe this is one of the things that attracts us to each other is that i too will go toward anger when i'm facing a heartbreak that's part of my rebelliousness mm-hmm. is anger angry rebelliousness I got the pitchfork. I'm going out with the crowd. (laughs) So first of all, I need to recognize here's anger. That's my first baby step is, oh, here's anger. Sometimes that happens 30 minutes into a rant, conversational rant that I'm having with a friend. Like, oh, wait, hold hold up, (laughs) Margot. Whoa, baby. Put back on the reins a little. Here, just turn toward this for a minute. Okay, anger. Well, where do I feel it? Oh, I definitely am feeling something in my solar plexus that feels fiery. And I just start using words to describe it. What do I feel and where do I feel it? So that's my first way of turning toward the feeling. And then something extraordinary starts to happen. It feels so intense that pressure, tightness, burning, and my solar plexus. Maybe my hands feel hot. Sometimes my face feels hot when I'm really mad. And just as I turn toward it, just with my attention and start to give it some descriptive words, I get a something lets go. It's like a, like, um, a water balloon gets popped and the water just poosh, rushes out. And then comes the heartache. Then comes the, oh, okay. You get what's underneath that anger and rage and hatred. And then then it's just like a wave of compassion comes in. I feel compassion for myself for being so mad. And I feel compassion for the situation that I was just ripping to shreds, being angry about or super judgmental about. I can just kind of, it just takes me back to my center. And then I can, you know, then I can take a breath and start again. Start again. So that's a, uh, I always think of that as being a very Buddhist type phrase. You know, they talk about meditating and, and of course the mind wanders. That's what minds do. And, uh, I just remember my meditation teacher at this Zen center where I spent some time would just say, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Start again. Mm-hmm. All right, just a little chuckle. <laughs> Start again. Yeah. Yeah, so here we are with with uh, anger and heartbreak and 
and the brokenness of the world. Mm-hmm. And here we are, start again. Start again. It, you know, it's it's odd to me. I I never wanted anything to do with medicine. I don't like being around sick people. Uh, medicine was never an attraction for me. And yet I found my way into Chinese medicine or East Asian medicine or Oriental medicine or whatever the fuck we're calling it this week. Zongyi, we'll call it Zongyi. How about that? We'll just I call think it that's Zongyi. good. Yeah, we'll just call it Central Kingdom medicine, whatever. <laughs> anyway, um, I just lost my train of thought. Yeah, I, so I found my way into this medicine and realized that actually when I'm looking through the lens of Chinese medicine, I'm not, I don't see sick people. No. I don't see, I see people that are suffering. I see people that are having difficulties, but I don't, I don't see sickness. I also, because I can, you know, along with the Xia Qi, you can also see the Zheng Qi. All right, let's work with the Zheng Qi. There's some Zheng Qi here. And in fact, there's more than just Zheng Qi. You know, we've got five phases of experience. Wow, we've got all these options for moving through the experience of being a human being. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Let's clap. Let's clap for that. We, right? have, we have all these options for moving through this experience of being Yes, we yeah, do. Being a human being. But I, I think more than anything, it is my opportunity through practicing this stuff to do a little something about the brokenness of the world. Mm-hmm. And that's what keeps me in clinic day after day. I mean, yeah, I make my living from it, and that's nice, and but it it is one place where I feel like I can make a difference because I'm not going out into the big world and activizing anything or ask or asking anybody to do anything different than they're already doing because I've found over the years that never helped. But I can sit with somebody in my clinic room and help them find what's right for them. Ah. Oh. Right. Help them find yeah. what's right for them. And and again, this has come through years of thinking I know more about them than they do. And I have suggestions or try this or do that or, you know, you should do X, Y, Z. Of course, that shit never worked very well. But to help them find what's right for them and who they are in this moment. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And like you say, there are so many pathways. We I think we get stuck in a rut of staying on responding to life's challenges in one particular way. And that's some of the beauty of engaging with someone in our medicine that all of a sudden you have these other pathways open up to you. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you're going to choose them, but at least you get an introduction to them. And that self-reflection to see the path I consistently take and where it gets me, maybe I can try a different path and I'll see where that takes me. I'll just try something new and I'll, I'll just, I'll look at myself. I think, I think we may have touched on this in a previous podcast, Michael, and maybe you remember it and maybe you don't, but when our mutual friend Dave Lerner and I went to do our three-month internship in China back in the 90s, like on our first day, we got into a cab in Chengdu, 
and we were going to a Qigong master on the south southwestern part of town. And the cab driver said to us, I'm so excited to have Americans in my <laughs> I want to ask you a question. Do you remember this? Have I mentioned the woman who spilled the McDonald's coffee on herself? And No, no, I, I, don't, I don't remember this story. Okay, so in the late 90s, there was a lawsuit that went worldwide. It was in America. A yeah. woman had spilled hot coffee McDonald's on herself. Coffee on oh, herself. it was hot. It was hot coffee. It was hot coffee. She and sued she them for sued, getting burned. She sued McDonald's. Yeah. So this cab driver was fascinated by that. He said, how is that possible in America that you can go buy a cup of coffee, take the cup of coffee, spill it on yourself, and then blame someone else for it? How is that possible? That would never work in China. He was like, if you could, you'd, you'd be a millionaire because you could sue everybody for all the things that have gone wrong in your life. He was fascinated by that. And it was being an American, that wasn't a surprising thing that this woman sued McDonald's for spilling hot coffee on herself. That, you know, we come from a litigious society that seemed normal to me. But to be in the cab, listening to this guy laughing uproariously about this, he thought it was absurd. He couldn't even believe it was true. And, and so ensued this conversation of personal responsibility and when you put yourself into a situation and then how you respond to it, taking on this responsibility for yourself. Man, that guy, that just echoed in me over and over and over again, because as I look back on the things that I did, it was easy for me to make excuses for myself or to blame somebody else for how I was feeling or why did I have that adulterous affair when I was married? Well, I could tell you why, because I felt like this with my husband. So sure, I could go do that with somebody else. Or why did I stick that? cocaine up my nose so many times in my life over and over and over again. <laughs> Why did I do that? I could blame that on, you know, President Reagan or the system. How about the system? The man. Yeah, the mal oh, the man. The man. The man, the man made was me do definitely it. Definitely a problem. The patriarchy. <laughs> and I'm not saying Are you I, talking I don't about wanna... me? You talking about me? <laughs> I am. <laughs> I am. You know, there's actually, there, you know, there's actually a fair amount of research that shows if children do grow up in a two-parent household, and if there, and actually, if there's a man in the house, because men do things differently than women, that kids grow up with less drug addiction and and, and all kinds of things. Hmm. Because let's think about this from the Chinese medicine point of view for a second. You need an in chi. You need that in constructive. You need that 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 way protective. And men tend to express a bit more yang side of things. Women tend to express a bit more of the in constructive side of things. And I don't want to get into a whole political thing here, although maybe we will because uh oh, I just opened my mouth. <laughs> but I mean, I think we see this in all kinds of places that there's these these balances that are, are here if, if we could see it. 
And, and so often, and, and I'm with you on this, there's a bunch of things that I've done. Jobs I got rid of or relationships I said, screw that to. Because, oh, look who, you know, they made me do X, Y, Z. I felt mm-hmm. like this, and so now I had to do that because I'm going to show those fuckers. Yeah. It didn't go so well. No. It didn't no, go I so well. No, I think this uh, radical responsibility for oneself is, that to me is like being like water. Being like water. Water's, it, the, that's the one thing. In watching the water so closely these four years, I mean, because that's what I did. Mm. I took to the water. It was like, okay, be like water. I don't really know. I know what that means conceptually. I've read it in the books and, you know, the Tao Te Ching is full of imagery of water. I get it intellectually, but let me go watch the water. Unfortunately, I live, you know, five minute walk from a river and one minute walk from a stream. So it was easy for me to go watch the water every day. And we've got a spring up the road too. So you've been learning from water by having this, this scent, you know, this glimpse come into your mind in, in the session with uh, Jeffrey doing the Taoism. And now it's like, oh yeah, beyond my conceptual and lovely poetic idea of water, let's just go be around water more. Yeah. What have you learned? Well, I learned that there was one, and there's, this is one of the essays in the book. I had an experience recent, well, not recently, it's been a few years now. <laughs> I had an interaction with a coworker that really upset me, really upset me, because he basically said something that was, it, it insulted me. I felt insulted by what mm. he said. And being my Italian New York self, rebellious shoot from that i i was mad Mm -hmm. and so you were italian mad yeah and so i i didn't let it i didn't let it be the moment it was spoken i came around and said excuse me did i just hear you say this i need to know more about what you're talking about and it upset me so that i contacted a lawyer because i was like this person said this thing about me that is so off the mark. And then I went to the water. (laughs) 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 Then I went to the water and there was um, this big tree. Well, there was this beautiful little gentle waterfall and I was looking at it. It was, it was in the evening. It was hard to see what was going on. I was at a place I hadn't been. And I'm looking at it going, God, what a beautiful little waterfall. So smooth and so lovely. There was a pond above it. And then below was like a nice burbling, gurgling stream. And as my eyes adjusted, I realized that a tree had, it was a tree had fallen in the river, impeding its flow at some point. And over time created this gorgeous little waterfall. And I thought, you know what, Margo, the water didn't give a shit that the tree fell in it and blocked its way. It didn't care. It just went around it and has created this beautiful environment that's so peaceful. And I'm sure it's affected the plants and the animals around it in a way that now me experiencing is so lovely. So I just, you know, in that moment, just watching the water was like, I could laugh at myself. My gosh, how silly was I to get upset at what this person said? Like, who cares? 
I know who I am and it's okay if they think that way. I just keep being myself. And of course, in the time that remained on the project that we were working on, there was a harmony that was reestablished between us. I don't know what this person thinks of me now and it doesn't matter, but it was really, <clears throat> notice the phlegm. <laughs> <laughs> Clearing a little phlegm here, Marco. Here comes the dampness. <clears throat> the dampness wants to clear. Yeah, I'm so grateful I didn't I didn't fight back or try to change his mind or I just let myself be myself and get our work done and we did a great job. So this notion of being like water, it, it's it's big medicine. It's not just something in, you know, a few lines of the Tao Te Ching that you can pass off. I think this is really important for us as practitioners and patients and human beings just being in the world. This art of reflecting, seeing ourselves like in the calm surface of water, looking into the depths of ourselves, rolling with the terrain. And the turbulence at times. And the turbulence, which is very purifying, brings a lot of oxygen in the water, all that turbulence. It actually does, doesn't it? Actually, The turbulence does purify the water, doesn't it? Wow, hadn't thought about that. You're right. When our river here gets lazy, meaning the flow slows down because we don't have a lot of rain, maybe we're in a drought, the water gets really murky and warm it's not really pleasant to swim in because it's kind of like you got to wonder what's in there. <laughs> a little cloying and damp, perhaps. It's a little cloying and damp. But when it's refreshed and moving and gosh, it's so gorgeous. Mm -hmm. In recent years, the Sa'am acupuncture style has generated significant interest and a loyal and growing following. In the Sa'am approach, a precise diagnosis leads to a four-needle treatment to address the five element and six chi imbalances in the body. The four needles target the controlling and generating cycles. It's common using this method for the needle sensation to be stronger than in many other styles. Thus, the choice of needle becomes important. The Unico brand of needles lends itself to both strong and gentle techniques. These superior needles are made of uncoated Japanese surgical stainless steel and feature the best guide tube on the market with its unique beveled edge. Additionally, Unico needles have a tensile property that helps with freehanding needles into Jingwell points and allows you to more easily feel the arrival of chi. Blue Poppy is the exclusive importer and distributor of Unico needles. Use the code QI. 2024 to save 10% off Unico needles at www.bluepoppy.com. You'll be glad you did. So maybe, just maybe, these things that agitate us, that break our heart, that make us angry, that invigorate us in some ways, because God damn it, I'm going to do something about that. Yeah. Has its place. Really oh, important, yeah. really important. Keep that chi moving. Yeah, so true. And you know, you and I go to that wood element, but lots of people, when they face a challenge, go to fear or worry or 
get super judgmental, critical, Mm -hmm. or sad, just full of grief and hopelessness, helplessness. But again, there are all kinds of other ways to, to move through it. And I really do think, you know, this is my, you know, one of my teachers, Sarah Barrel, always used to say, if all you got is a hammer, everything's a nail, <laughs> like, depending on your perspective. Well, I would say my hammer is movement. I'm, I love movement, be it dance or yoga or Taoyin. There's something about that movement that helps me refresh myself. I don't get stagnant. And if I'm paying attention and I'm working with my attention like water, I discover things I didn't expect from the movement. And I think that's what keeps me feeling so vital. Mm-hmm. And certainly why I haven't killed myself with a heart attack from all of my rage and anger and um, outrage or from, you know, I haven't, I, I quit doing drugs, being an asshole. It's been really good. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't an intentional asshole, but I still was. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's so easy to be judgmental of people that are angry or that we don't like or that we disagree with. Yeah. It's so easy to bring that metal in and just like judge the fuck out of them. Yeah. Or judge ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. I love your image uh, of going to that stream with the tree across it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, oh, what a beautiful little waterfall in a pond. It's like, oh, no, it's an impeded flow. Oh, it. which one? It's both and. Mm-hmm. It's both yeah. and. Yeah. You know what else it says about water? Water is a damn honey badger. It don't care. <laughs> it just keeps rolling on. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And again, you know that story of the, um, I think it was Alan Watts, the story of the Asian farmer. I don't know why he had to be Asian, oh, but he was. Well, because it is an Asian farmer. Uh, what's his name? Oh, it, it's a Chengyu. It's a four-letter Chinese oh. proverb, uh, something like, you know, farmer Ma loses a horse. Yeah, like 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 Nongma like, like Shurma or something like that. I, I can't remember. Yeah, everybody knows that story, right? Yeah, yeah, and we tell it and we say it. It's um, it's harder to live it. Oh, uh, approximately impossible. <laughs> and that's the story of water. Mm-hmm. Like you say, honey badger. What, what is what is it here? What is it now? You know, I I want to switch just a little bit, but it, it it's connected because when I think of water, I think of of just flowing and being with something and just and like you were describing that lovely little waterfall and pond. You're like in a space and just kind of being in it. It's it's a type of listening. I'm just mm-hmm. listening to the moment and just, and being in it without a whole lot of uh, plans or needs. You're just you're just being. And I, th- my sense is the being aspect of our clinical work is very, very important. One of the reasons I think a lot of folks enjoy mm-hmm. doing the work that we do, we have a chance to be with our patients, we have a chance to be with ourselves, we have an opportunity to do some good in the world. It's nice to be able to listen to other people sometimes and not have to listen to our own noise. Yeah. There's always that too. 
Uh, so there's a, there's a big being aspect of our work. And at the same time, there's some doing that we got to do because people are there for help. And our job at the end of the end of the day, unless you're doing something besides acupuncture, is to put some needles in people. Mm-hmm. You've got you've got to make a, a decision. You've got to make a diagnosis. You've got to do something. So there's this, again, we're looking at a, a yin-yang experience of, uh, in some ways, being enough with someone to get an understanding of who they are and how they are and what they are and what might be helpful and then be able to do something that helps them. Mm. And, you know, different people come down on different sides. You know, you may go like to a community clinic where, oh, you got a headache. Okay, ding, 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 ding. And, you know, you, you see 10 people in an hour. That's more doing than being. Then you got the people that are like, oh, I spent an hour and a half with my patients just talking and listening to their pulse. There, there's more of a, a being side. Um, not making judgments, one's better than the other. We all have to work in the way that's right for mm-hmm. us. I'd, I'd just like to get your sense of that doing being interaction and, and how that shows up for you in your watery way of working in clinic. Mm. That's certainly changing. It's been changing for about maybe two and a half years now where I've started entertaining the idea of not doing acupuncture. It's like the ultimate Japanese acupuncture. <laughs> not only are we not putting needles in you, we're not even going to use a needle. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So I find myself when I'm working with clients now, I'm noticing the urge inside of me to do something and then sitting with that because it's very uncomfortable not doing something. I need to do something. This person's here for me to do something. But I know... I know from practicing clean language, and we've talked about clean language before, and you've had Nick Pohl here on Geological. And as you said just a little while ago, everything's inside the person. It's just about letting it emerge to come forward. You didn't use those words, but that's how I, my mind saw it. It's how to let what's there emerge through listening. Yes, and how to let what's there emerge that's them, not my idea of who they are. Right. I've been trying to open the space to a little more listening and clean questions to engage my patients in a way that they start to answer their own question or discover what's right for them. Mm. And I've been... Also starting to explore a little bit with the practice of Seiki. You had Alice Wielden on Geological. Mm-hmm. This, I, this thing, do nothing. I do, I'm thinking of um, a Sanskrit chant. I do nothing at all, you know, and everything gets done. Wait, I thought that was the Tao Te Ching. It, well, you know, it's all. Okay. It's all the same brilliance, right? Yes, it is all the same brilliance. Yes, it, it, I mean... It seems so contradictory. I'm going to do nothing. I'm going to not add my little input to this. I'm going to be attentive to what's emerging. Yeah. And follow that. Yeah. Well, it's cool. Something happens. So I've been doing more of that Seiki for people who don't know what that is. That's just being with someone and being present and seeing what emerges. So 
I rest my hand on somebody's lower abdomen and just sit and breathe. And I notice when my thoughts come in, like, do something. You should be doing something. <laughs> Marco, what are they paying you for? What are they paying you for? You're just sitting here. <laughs> well, what's amazing is that they fall asleep mm. while that's happening. But I also, if I'm just a, like an antenna receiving information comes like I might have an image of putting my hands on lung one and maybe I'll do that. I'll follow that. So I've got one hand on the belly. I put the other hand on lung one. And then I see what emerges from that. Where, where is my attention drawn next? And then they start to move quite spontaneously. Mm -hmm. They're not doing it on purpose. Um, and so then what I've been doing is kind of letting wherever my hand gets called, I might, I might do acupuncture there because that's what the person came for was acupuncture. But it, it's really coming from a different place rather than making a diagnosis and then deciding what points to do. It's just being with that person and seeing where my attention gets drawn to and then responding to that. And they're pretty darn good treatments, I got to say. <laughs> it's an interesting way of working and it's different and I don't know where I'm headed with it, but um, it feels very much in the flow with less cerebral strategizing. This rhymes a little bit with some of the engaging vitality study that I've done where we're being attentive to the yeah. body, we're being attentive to the channels, we're being attentive to the patient, we're noticing where our attention is drawn. Maybe there's a part of the mind that's noticing how that fits into a diagnosis, but it's, it's better if you just kind of leave that to the side and be attentive to what's unfolding. You can put a treatment together, actually you can do the treatment and then later look back at it and go, oh yeah, that's what that was. Yeah, exactly. Hi, you know, it's all about gaining new perspectives and not being wedded to just one. You're opening yourself to different possibilities. And I know I, f I feel like I'm in the right place because I used to be so surprised by what happened. And then I realized, and maybe Alice pointed it out, that's because I had an expectation of what was going to happen and it didn't do that. We were, we were talking about this earlier in the conversation. We think things are going to go a certain way, and then it doesn't, and then we get our tail in a knot, and blah, 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 blah. Expectation, yeah. I'm kind of enjoying not being surprised, because then I know, oh, I wasn't expecting it to be a particular way. It's just the way it is. I don't know. It's kind of weird. It's really interesting, Michael, and I feel like I'm just at the beginning of this, so... And it's scary too. There's, I have fear about it. I'm aware of that. What's, what's the fear about? Well, you know, it's, we trained in this particular thing. You and I have been practicing for several decades now. Mm. And now I'm thinking I'm not going to do it anymore. Like not practice acupuncture at all or not practice acupuncture 
in the way that we were trained. You know, there's a scholarly tradition. We're supposed to do our 10 questions. Then we come up with a diagnosis. And these are the points that support the diagnosis. I mean, there's a certain way that we were taught to work. Oh, and you got to get it right. Don't forget. You got to get it right. Because all those other fuckers that they already saw earlier who got it wrong, now they're here for you. You got to get it right, right? Yeah. Remember how much pressure we had? Oh, you got to get that treatment right. So funny. It's really silly. And, and, of, and of course, we want to be helpful. I mean, I, I think that yeah. initial impulse, you know, when we say, oh, I want to get it right, it means I translate it as I want to be helpful. Yeah. Now the question is, how can I best be helpful? And, and in listening to you talk about just sitting with people, seeing where you're drawn, letting, and, and not jumping at the first impulse of I'm going to do this. Oh, that'll probably be good. Now I can feel good about myself as a practitioner. But wait, wait. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. What's here? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and you have to keep clearing the you have to keep clearing the mirror because it gets foggy with that dampness. You know, you gotta clean it off and check yourself, like, am I clear here? Am I clear here? And it sounds like it takes a lot of patience mm-hmm. and and a capacity to sit with not knowing. Yeah. Quite deliberately. Quite deliberately. Deliberately not know, which is not the same as not caring. Oh, right. No, absolutely. Which is not the same as not being attentive. Oh, the opposite. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's being very attentive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, no, I've been thinking seriously about letting go of the needles. Even though, man, they're powerful, aren't they? That energy inside of us is... It is a life force. Yes, it is. That is a really good way to call energy as a life force. And it is powerful. Mm-hmm. Something about the needles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just had this image come up. <laughs> I'll share this with you. I love science fiction. I, I think you do too. So you probably read so you probably read the Dune series. Oh yes. You know, when there's a new Dune movie coming out here, and, and I know, wait, right? <laughs> so, you know, those those sandworms are like big ass forces of nature. Yeah. And how do you call a sandworm? You've got this thing, you know, where they call it a thumper or something, where it it's like a needle, right? They like stick it in the sand, it goes dong dong dong, right? And it calls this giant force of nature. And, and I'm just thinking, acupuncture needles are a little bit like that. It's this little thing. You put it into the surface and it calls forth something so primordial. There's no way we can actually describe it with words. We can talk around it. We can talk about what it does. We might be able to talk about how it does, but there is something so phenomenally primordial that gets called up. Yep. People often ask me, what did you put into me? It's like, I put nothing into you. We've called something up. This is you. This thing you're feeling right now, it didn't come from the outside. This is you. This feeling that you've got right now, take it with you. In fact, you can't not not take it with you. Right. <laughs> it's always with you. The force is with you. Force is with you. But yeah, it's primordial. It's It's just that deep and powerful and mysterious. Yeah, and it... 
you know, when I asked myself why, well, the first time I asked myself, why would I stop doing acupuncture was when the pandemic started was, well, I can't see people. So how else can I work? And I thought about doing like distance treatments and how could that work? But having, having children who are in their early 20s, who are awake and uh, I think they have less dampness covering their portals <laughs> than I do. They didn't do as many drugs as you? Uh, that I don't know. Mm. I, I, it's hard for me to imagine that any of my children did as many drugs as I did. And if they had, oh my gosh, I'm glad they're alive. But one of the things that comes up as I'm, speaking with my kids who are going to inherit this world that my generation has contributed to. One of the things that comes up is, Margot, it's time to stop using things that require shipping in a container from China to America or having something called medical waste that's going somewhere and then being transformed into something else in the environment. So it's a little bit of a challenge for myself as I look at how the how the world is evolving, how nature is evolving with us, what I can do to lessen my participation in that. So like my family's going pretty much vegetarian. We're changing, we're trying to adapt and change and when you know even this notion of buying Chinese herbs in bottles, prepackaged herbs in bottles and participating in that economy, these are all playing into this question of giving up acupuncture and just working with the present moment, working with my hands and the energy, the life force between us and within us. So that's my meaty my meaty bit that I'm rolling around in my mouth. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, it, you know, acupuncture is a method. Yeah. It's a method. It sounds like you may not use that method as much as you did, or you may give it up completely for that matter. We'll see. But the principles behind it, all of the, the, the medicine that goes into deciding how and where you put an acupuncture needle, it sounds like, that's something you've got a firm grasp on. Yeah, and you know, I love it. And you love it. I love it. Yeah. I love the needles too, though. Do you feel that way, Michael, about ac the acupuncture needles and acupuncture? The thing that I love so much about um, acupuncture is that it, it is possible with a few needles, just sometimes just a few little needles, I can leave a person with themselves. Mm -hmm. And again, there's something primordial that is going on there. And, and I would say it's even more mysterious to me now than it was when I began my studies 25 years ago. I, was, I, I got interested in this, like, what's going on here? That question is still there. And it's just that I know a little bit about how it works at this point. But there's, there's a mysteriousness to it that, that has only... Um, deepened, I, I guess is the right word. All that said, 
having the ability to help people with a few needles and allowing them to be with themselves so that they are now more coherently connected to resources that are them. That's good work. Yeah. You know, like you, I, I would like to see the world healed as well. You know, like you in high school, my heart got broken at what a mess it was, and it is it, mm-hmm. and it's still a mess. I've read a fair amount of history lately, all kinds of different history, and I'm not sure if the world has ever not been a mess. Mm-hmm. So there's that too. Not not to take away from the troubles of the present moment, because those are ours to deal with. But it's you know, it's like oh my God, things are a mess. Well, that's not news. <laughs> what kind of mess it is at this moment might be news, but that it's a mess is not news. And, um, yeah, doing this work is the way that I get to help in, in a small way that, that I'm capable of helping. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'm grateful for that. How the world figures it out? I don't know. Oh, as a, as a kid <laughs> likes to say. What are you going to do? Oh. <laughs> but, but I do know this. I do know this. You know, I'm, I'm a baby boomer. Okay, all y'all rolling your eyes, you know, I, I see you out there. I'm a baby <laughs> boomer. I know we get a lot of trouble these days for having really fucked it up. A lot of us had really good intentions. Mm-hmm. You know, the anti-war movement started, right? Uh, gay and lesbian rights started. Um, there's a lot of work that we did with, baby boomers did with, with civil rights, you know, there's a lot of things today that we take for granted that, that kind of got their start in our time. And did we screw it up? Well, we did elect George Bush twice. So there's that. <laughs> um, now, now, that's that's debatable. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I, the point that I want to make is the world is a really curious and odd place. Mm-hmm. And um, to, to have the capacity to help in some way, whatever our way is, is good. And, and to, I'm going to bring it back to the beginning of what we're talking about, to have that recognition that this world is full of heartbreak and it's unavoidable. The question becomes, how can I in some way help with what I have? And how can I grow myself into that resilient enough kind of person that the heartbreak doesn't break me? It might break me open. You know, it might break open some new ideas. It might shatter some things that I've held dear that actually are no longer true. And that is liberating because you've got a clearer view now of that water. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to be optimistic for some reason, even in the midst of all the trouble, because humans are incredibly inventive. Yeah. And, and I think about the the force and the nature of water that just keep like following, 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 following. Sometimes you have to pull your resources. Sometimes you have to move through a place with turbulence. It's still water. It just changes, you know, nature of water is that it changes its character to meet the moment. Yeah. I think the the key is having that clarity. We are, we are inventive. And there's great power in that. And I think um, we need to be very mindful of how we wield that power. Mm. 
And that again, just comes back to this mindfulness and reflection on ourselves and being honest and truthful with what we see and how we're responding to, to what we experience. Again, and I've written this down, I'm I'm probably gonna have to put this on my wall. (laughs) Your actions affect you. Now that's something I can chew on for a long time. Mm -hmm. My friend. Yes, my dear. It's always fun talking to you. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for having me, Michael. And thanks to everybody for listening too. Yes, it's been kind of a long one if they listened through this far. Well, maybe there are some things to sort through. I don't know. There's always things to sort through. <laughs> Any, anything else that you'd like to share with us before we uh, wind it down till the next time? I think my parting words would be a wish that may, may your movements of mind and body and action lead you home to yourself. <laughs> Margot Rossi, you're the best. Thank you, Michael. In an email exchange, Margot wrote this. All the water on planet Earth is the same water as what's been here since the very beginning. Imagine how much memory the water has and how it can transform itself over and over again. In some of the conversations I've had, I've heard the suggestion that water is consciousness, which is an inviting idea that I can't quite wrap my mind around, although it somehow sounds plausible. But when I feel into it, when I let the fluids in my body connect with the rain outside, the groundwater in the earth under my house, the rarefied fluid of my cerebral spinal fluid and and the fluids in our house cats and the Amazon delivery person or the humidity in the air. When I feel into that, there is something ancient and connective. Water does not move at the pace of thought. It inhabits a different tempo, usually slower than that of thought. And so the tides of this world are accessible through feeling. And that usually requires slowing down and attending to the pace of the natural world. Take a moment now. Look out the window if you're near one, or if you're already outside. Bring your attention to the water in whatever form it's in. We're all related through water. Thanks as always for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks, that's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community. (laughs) 